up again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is Wednesday night, which means it is retro night. And as always, we look back at games between Newcastle United and another team. And tonight it is Bolton Wanderers. Uh, and uh, we have all your usual favourites, including uh, celebrity fans, uh, which always causes a chuckle. And uh, the players that played for both teams. And then at the end, the lads pick a team of... Uh, Combine Newcastle United and Bolton players. So uh, plenty to get our teeth into as always. And as always, we're joined by the uh, the illustrious panel of George and Neil Mitchell, Stu Penman, Steve Hasty, and Steve Wilkinson. And uh, looking forward to this one. Uh, and as always, to kick us off, we go to, uh, I think it's right in calling you the elder statesman of the group, George. <laughs> well, we're we'll going to George for a history lesson. <laughs> Why not? Why not? And and that's that's what it is essentially. But um, a very important one for, for me. Um, Nineteen fifty three is, is where I'm going to for the Bolton match that year, and uh, exciting year for me because uh, I was uh, just getting ready in September to go to a new school. Uh, Mum and Dad had just moved into a new house over at Howden, uh, and so it was quite a lot of exciting things going down. Nice big back garden in Howden. And my dad made it plain what he was going to do with it because the first thing he bought was a petrol lawnmower. So that made it pretty plain there was going to be a lot of football in that big back, board, back garden. Um, but uh, for that week, I mean, we had my dad, my granddad, uh, my uncle Tom, poor uncle John had gone by then. Um, and if there's one phrase, and Stu picked it out this morning when he was on Twitter, uh, that I got almost sick of by the time we got the match was the line of Vienna. And uh, I was told how important Lofthouse was uh, to England as well as to Bolton and what a tremendous play he was. And, and when I was at that age, I never really understood what the line of Vienna meant. But, but there was a piece in the paper, and I think I've sent you the clip of it, Steve, somewhere, where it actually a report has written down why he got that label. It was when he scored the, the winning goal. Uh, there were three Austrian defenders on top of him. I never what? got that, George. I got a lot of pictures and a lot of other stuff, but I never got the article, I'm afraid. You didn't get the text, right. OK. Well, uh, the text said that uh, the defender had tackled him from behind. Uh, another defender had uh, uh, strong-armed him from the side and the goalkeeper had kicked him as he went, as he headed the goal, the ball into the net. And that opened 3-2. The Australi Austrians were scared of him because six months before we played a friendly against them and he, they found him unplayable. And we won 2 0 and he scored both the goals. So that in Vienna, the Austrians were de determined to stop him, uh, but they couldn't. And uh, um, that one is, uh, is, is, is a good one because that's from the uh, 58 Cup final when he scored both the goals against Manchester United. And that's a depiction of how he scored his second goal. <coughs> He had this this knack of watching the goalkeeper collect the ball in the air, waiting until the goalkeeper touched down with both feet, and then leaning in with his shoulder at the shoulder and pushing the goalkeeper in the back of the net. Can you imagine the furore there would be now? It certainly wouldn't be a goal, that's for sure. But Lofthouse perfected it, and he, he waited till the goalkeeper was steady and had the ball at both feet, 
and in went his shoulder and the goalkeeper went into the back of the net. And that was in the 58 Cup final, one of the goals he scored then. Um, what a man he was, though. We, we went to this uh, this game and uh, uh, it was uh, going to be a great game, everybody was saying. And, and sure enough, it was because we were playing virtually a, a cup final team and uh, uh wasn't long after the kick-off that George Hanna gave us a start. And then uh, after about 20 minutes, Nat Lofthouse scored. Uh, after about 35 minutes, Nat Lofthouse scored. And uh, it uh, was uh, a procession then for the rest of the match, just us holding Lofthouse out. It's the only match I've ever seen Frank Brennan, who at the time was probably the best centre-half in the country, um, absolutely sick of his life because he just couldn't handle Lofthouse. And Frank Brennan uh, got the run around that day. And then in the second half, to top, top the match off, um, Lofthouse got his hat-trick. Joe Harvey scored a consolation towards the end of the match. 34,824 uh, playing. But um, the outstanding feature throughout the game was Lofthouse. And although he was the uh, uh, a good... Uh, I'm not sure what that one is. It's um, a game against Bolton in the 1950s. It's the only one I could oh, find. Oh, right, right. Yeah. 1954. Well, that's the year after, yeah. And that's uh, that looks like Rob Lilo scoring for us. Oh, no, it's not. That That's our goalkeeper. So that's uh, obviously somebody scoring for, for Bolton. Uh, could easily be Lofthouse, but it, but that's not Lofthouse there. I think that's Doug Holden, the, the left winger, who was the other good player. But that... It, it, Lofthouse was a good player, but they had a good team. I mean, Hansen was a brilliant goalkeeper. Um, the sort of goalkeeper at the minute, mind, who would have been accused of eating all the pies because he was quite a weighty character, character with a very big waist. Uh, but he still was a good goalkeeper. Uh, I did find this as well, George. I found that, you know, um, that was from the era of the, the, that period. Yeah. But struggling to find one with uh, Bolton on, but that was Newcastle Arsenal. No, that was because you, you, you sent me that one, which was which is the, which is the second match, is the fifty nine match, yeah. Which is yeah. again Bolton Wanderers, but uh, yeah. yeah, that that was the program from that era. But we couldn't that find era, one with yeah. Bolton on, sadly. No, me neither. Me neither. Tried hard. Um, the other thing I was uh, saying was that there wasn't just. Uh, uh, Lofthouse. Uh, Wheeler was a, was a, a, a very good half-back who played for England. And the left-winger, uh, Doug, Doug Holden, uh, was, was a brilliant player as well. Um, and uh, just to uh, emphasise what Lofthouse meant to, uh, to Bolton, 452 games, 255 goals. Joined Bolton at 15, stayed with them till he was nearly 70. Play, player, uh, coach, caretaker manager, manager, and then vice president or whatever they called him. But he was a Bolton through and through. And, and of course, they, they, they actually put up a statue. Now, I think I sent you a picture of the statue as well, Steve. Um, yeah, I've got that. At Lofthouse. That's it. And... Um, not surprising. He, he really was Mr. Bolton, but a, a tremendous player. And I, and along with my people in my family and, and others were about that era, would keep, would say occasionally, and I still do, why didn't Jackie Milburn get more caps for England? 
Well, Jackie Milburn was competing against Nat Lofthouse and Stan Mortensen and Charlie Wayman and Roy Bentley, all centre forwards that were banging goals in for nothing and all all playing for England. So, in a sense, it wasn't surprising that Jackie didn't get as more uh, caps than he did. The plus for Jackie was he was as good on the right wing as he was at centre forward. So occasionally he would get a game on the right wing. Um, the other uh, bits of uh, of uh, history I was I was going to mention was uh, to do with the. No, I mentioned it. Four hundred fifty-two games, two hundred fifty-five goals, and. Uh, our manager, of course, was uh, Seymour at the time, and Bill Ridden was their manager. Um, but it was a great, an excellent game. And having had the build-up about Lofthouse, you know how it is people build a game up when you go to it, and, and certainly I did several times when I was younger, and they'd, they'd tell us this was going to happen, that was going to happen. Well, none of it happened sometimes. Uh, or somebody's going to be playing. Oh, Stanley Matthews played today. Well, Stanley Matthews wasn't even in bloody Newcastle, never mind on the pitch. Um, but this match, it was a build-up for Nat Lofthouse, and that's exactly what it was. Supreme centre-forward, bustling centre-forward, they called him in those days, and uh, his hat-trick was, was uh, devastating because I think we would have won the match if it had to be for him. Um, but uh, the three goals he scored knocked the stuffing out away, and, and that was it. Um some of the other stuff I sent, Steve, I'll keep for the second match if that's all right. So yeah, that's... I've only I've only got a couple of bits left, mate. So um that's I, I'm fine. not sure that's I'm not fine. sure whether some got lost in transit, but uh, I've only got a team maybe sheet and the program that I showed earlier. So that's maybe fine. some that's things fine. got lost well, in that, transit. That's fine, yeah. Okay, okay. first one. Great stuff. Stu. Hi. I feel quite privileged being on the top row next to such a steam company. <laughs> so the the first game that I want to talk about is probably if our most famous game against Bolton over the last 40 years. And it was the Nelly season, the 95-96 season. We started the season, the game before, where we swatted Coventry aside very comfortably, 3-0 at home. Um... I made my way down there on a minibus. I got picked up from work uh, full of noxious gases, alcohol, radges, but most importantly, full of belief. We knew that we were going to win even before we turned up. The, the whole city was vibrant, wasn't at the time. Um, and if anyone had any doubts about this new French winger, I would just say, I think they were quashed that evening, uh, David Ginola. He, had a, he didn't have an outstanding game against Coventry, but... Against Bolton, my God, he stamped his authority all over the Premier League. He, I'm sure if I was the Bolton right back that day, I think I would have just retired if I knew I had to play him every week. But after about a quarter an hour, he got the ball and uh, he just glided down the touchline from the halfway line, just inside of our uh, their half. Glided down and then sent over this inch-perfect cross where Big Sirles just rose like a salmon as he did. Powered at home and were one nil up. Cruising, Ginola was then doing these little tricks. He's popping up all over the place, shooting from everywhere. He, he had the bit between his teeth that day. Um, they equalised, but even just after half time, they equalised, and it, it seemed to be they, it didn't matter. We knew we were going to win. Such was the confidence that the team had. And the the second goal was Clarky breaking out from the middle. He put a, he split the defence with a cracking ball. Like uh, he, he split the defence. 
the cross come over from Gillespie, if I remember right, and Rob Lee headed the ball home. But it looks, it sounds like he just had the ball home, but he was running. And to run the ball and control it and cushion it and get power in the way he did, it was a lot harder than what it looked. Uh, and it was in front of the, the way end as well. So that put us 2-1 up. And a few minutes later, uh, Ferdinand turned on the, and just inside their half, ran the full, well, the, the half length of the pitch, skipped a few challenges, took the ball out wide and drilled it in the corner. And it was like Hugh Bedlam, you know. And fr from there, it was it was the start of something that was very, very nearly special. You know, it was an unforgettable game and an unforgettable season. And I can still remember the E-I-E-I-E-I-O up the Premier League. We go getting sing sung all the way back to Newcastle. You know, so that was the first game. It's the one that everyone remembers. And just I had to pick it because we won 3-1, didn't I? But it was it was at Burnden Park as well. It was uh, they'd just been promoted the season before and they got taught a lesson of what the Premier League was about, even though we'd be, we'd only been up one season, but already established ourselves as one of the main forces in the league. So that was the first game I wanted to talk about. I know Mitch wanted to talk about it as well, but I think he's chosen another game. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, great stuff, Mitch. Over to you. Hi, Ori, lads. Um, yeah, my first game was going to be that one. That was my first trip to Burnden Park and my first experience of the Burnden Park with the supermarket that filled half of the stand. Yeah. That, that, that was a strange setup indeed. I think it had a funny name, like Nomad or Nomad or something like that. Um, it was really, really quite odd concept. Um, but yeah, that was my first at the Burnham Park. Then I was thinking, what other games could I do? And obviously, I like to be miserable. And I nearly picked an, an unexpected defeat in 2010 when we got thumped 5 1 out the blue. Um, but instead, uh, I'm going to go for 2nd of February 2002. It's a home game. And it was a bit of a cracker, actually. Uh, Bobby Robson against Sam Allardyce. Um, it was a time when we, we seemed to score goals freely against Bolton and Bolton used to come back at us freely as well. They always seemed to be up for a game against us. Allardyce was going through a terrible run at the time. I think they just got thumped off Man U. Uh, and I think they were in the middle of a 12-match run without a win. Um, but they always seem to come to Newcastle fired up. And, and a name that's synonymous for me with Bolton was their goalkeeper, UC Ascalina. Um, and he was he was central to this game in a way. Um, first minute he, he made a great save from Bellamy, um, and then against the run of play, really in twenty minutes they managed to nick a goal. Um, a lad called Gardner, uh, I think it was J Jamaican international, Ricardo Gardner, and he nicked the ball off Jamie McLean and then thumped it past Given from the edge of the eighteen-yard box. But then the controversy in the game came five minutes later. At the time, there was a, a rule about how long the goalkeeper could hold them to a ball for to stop them from wasting time. I think it was six seconds, wasn't it? Um, and David Ellery pulled Jaskalainen up for holding on to the ball too long. Uh, and Q, one of the famous Allardyce rants on the touchline, waving his arms and stamping his feet. Um, and then, typical at the time, Solano taps in direct free kick one way and Shearer smashes it into the bottom corner. Um but then they, they took the lead again, 34 minutes. Uh, after a poor clearance, it was another thump and finish from one of their defenders who I should really have looked it up hard. I couldn't remember the name of the lad. Um, but I, I know it was a spectacular finish. Um, we managed to get it back to 2-2 and half time. 
a classic Solano cross with a Shearer head at the finish. Um, and then the second half was more the same. It was quite tight end to end. It was Craig Bellamy got the winner just about 10 minutes before the end. They wrap up with well-deserved win and a hard-fought win. Um, and, and that's my first game in the end. It was a, it, it, At the time, it was one of those those games you kind of went to and you knew they would be up for a fight even though they were in the middle of a bad time. Allardyce always seemed to have them organised like that. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, I mean, Sam Allardyce, uh, I knew he would feature tonight like, quite heavily. Um, I still don't think he'd be managing any uh, teams, but we'll find out later on. Um, okay, Steve Hasty, over to you, mate. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick me. I'm going to pick me. Take me second game first, because Steve Wilkinson's taking a game later on, and I, I, my story follows on from his. So I'll, I'll go on my second game. I'm going to come right up, fairly up to date anyway. Nine years ago, April 2012. Um, you're Easter Monday. You know the game. You know the goal. You know the man. It was Hatton Ben Arthur. When you, I, I don't know how many times you have seen this goal replayed and replayed and you see it in your head and you just think is he going to go all the way is he going to go all the way yes he is bang and that's exactly what he did and if you remember right it was a lovely pass the game was the game wasn't a very good game to be perfectly honest um but we broke from defense and there was this lovely pass by Kabai and he just plays it what what he's probably expecting to be in in the modern game like you've seen in God knows how many times over the last sort of uh, fortnight in the Euros, he's probably expecting the ball to be played back to him because that's the way that the modern game seems to be played these days. Slow, laborious, a little bit of a build-up, play the ball, play it between each other. So Kabai comes out, he plays the ball to Ben Arthur, who decides to not only collect the ball, but pivot and take on the defender all at the same time and leaves this defender, who's right up his tail, for dead. Within, what, less than a second, he's got at least five, six yards on him. The bloke sprawled over the ground. The the, the, the covering, covering midfielder comes in and he just glides past him. The, the, the tackle comes in and it's as though... It's as though his legs are invisible because the tackle comes in and he just misses him completely. And Ben has in his stride and he's away. And then you just see, like, this Moses moment where... The tide just opened the defence by this point. The defenders, several defenders are sitting there, standing there wondering, do I go to him? Do I not go to him? Do I go with me man? Do I stick with me man? What do I do? And Ben is just running at them and they're panicking. You can just you, when you see the when you see it played back, you just see the the panic in that in their <laughs> eyes. So one of them just suddenly decides he's gonna go for it, and the other one decides he's gonna drop off. And as the other one drops off, as the guy on the left drops off, this space just appears. And Ben Otter just carries on going and going. And he gets 12 yards. He gets right onto the 12-yard the penalty spot. And the goalkeeper comes out and he just stroked the ball into the bottom corner. And if I remember rightly, the I mean, literally, George, you, you remember it well. We yeah. were in awe. We could not believe. We, we were going. And I, I, just, I can just remember whispering across to you going, He's going to go all the way. He's going to go all the way. He's going to. He's yeah. going to. Yeah. No, he's not. And, and and he did. And he put it in the back of the net. The whole place. We were absolutely gobsmacked. And that, you know, the avoiding the lunges, the challenges that were coming in. And that summed up what Hatton Ben Arthur was. Because earlier than that, he'd, he'd hammered a free kick. And I think it had gone skywards. He, he, he was one of those mercurial players that... He would either, if he was on his game, if he was on his day, he was unplayable. 
but they were very, very rare. Those those opportunities were rare. But it was so exciting. When he was on his game, he was so exciting. And I just loved to, to watch Ben Arthur. Um the, the rest of the game, I mean, we, we we got the obligatory CC. I think it was his ninth goal in 10 that put us 2-0 up. And what was also important at this point, this this put us fourth in the league. So we, we, went in, we went to fourth top. We were level with Tottenham. And we were playing at that particular time for a place in the Champions League. You know, that's that's where we were. It was Pardew, you know, eventually got us into Europe. I, I think we finished fifth. Um, that's that's how close we were, and we were level with Tottenham in those days, and we were pushing for a Champions League spot. I also, I think we'd also gone four or five games unbeaten. We, you know, we'd had four straight wins. It was a, a great little run that we'd had at the back end of March, beginning of April, to get us to where we were. But when you look at the team, I, I just glanced at it. I mean, you know, Tim Cruelin goal, two fullbacks were Santon and Simpson. But Colachini and Williamson were, were, were playing as the central defenders. Gutierrez on the right, Perch and Kabai in the middle, Ben Offer on the left with Barr and Cece up front. Um, and it, you, you look at that team and you think, you know, that, that team got in a, in, a, in a European spot. But then I looked at the bench and you look at the bench and you've got, you've got uh, Elliot, from the goalkeeper. You've got Ryan Taylor. You've got uh, Danny Goslin, uh, Hadi Abib. Uh, you've got Shola Amiobi who came on for, for Bar partway through second half well then you've got Shane Ferguson and and you've got Tavernier who is now pulling up all sorts of rocks and trees up in, in Glasgow for Glasgow Rangers and, you, and you're thinking dear me this, the, you know there was something about that squad there was something about that team there was a gel between them and at the, that particular time Pardew <laughs> he says through gritted teeth had them playing decent football and, you know we all know it, the, the exciting times under Pardew were exciting, but the bad times under Pardew were shocking. And that's that's what I relate to. But in that particular game, just seeing a player with the skill of Ben Offer, if only he could have been consistent, if only he could have put, he could string half a dozen or more games together with similar performances. But whether it was something in his head, I'm not too sure whether it was just the, the the makeup of the man. I mean, at one point, I think he, he, he announced that he got bored with football just recently before he, all of those type of things. And I think he was, I think he was always bored with football. I think he was bored with what went on during the week, and it was only on match days. But sometimes, because he hadn't done the work during the week, he couldn't perform on match days. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could answer that one, Steve, or maybe one we'll have a conversation with with other people who maybe uh, had him around them. They might tell us on one of the, the talkings. If we can ever get a talking with Colachini's Williamson, Kebai, Perch, then maybe we might be lucky. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait and see on that, Steve. But um, yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm not sure there'll be people clamouring for those kind of talkings, but you never know. Uh, Steve Wilkinson, over to you, uh, mate, for your first recollection. Right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change the order because of, of what Steve's going to do. Because if, if I did, uh, if I did me... me, me First game first, if you know what I mean. Then uh, Steve would have talked about after the second game. So I'll do my second game first. If that all makes sense, I don't know. Uh, um, we'll just we'll just nod and say yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, my my game I'm going to talk about is the uh, the game in 1976, which was we played both in the uh, what would be the fifth round of the FA Cup um, at at Bolton, and uh, the game finished three three, and uh, it features arguably. 
Sutermark's one of Sutermark's greatest goals. I think we've, we've talked in the previous times about the, the the goal he scored against Leicester, and and I think there's a lot of debate as to whether that goal or the, or the goal he scored in this game was his was his greatest goal. And I know Sutermark rates both goals very highly. Um, but the uh, the game it was there was a, there was a big crowd there, forty six thousand there at, at uh, Bolton, and it was the old ground, Burnden Park at the time still. Um, Bolton had a Bolton had a team that was a sort of mix of, of experience and, and youth. Um, just a few, two or three names that you'll 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 recall from that time: Tony Dunn, who played for Man United in the sixties. He played in the uh, when they played Benfica in the final. Peter Thompson, who had done well with Liverpool over that time, had been an England international. They they were the sort of experienced players in the mid thirties. And then and then a couple of youngsters. Um, there was this centre half who was 21 years old called Sam Allardyce. You might have heard of him since. Uh, and there was this other guy playing for them who was only 19, this teenager called Peter Reed. Um, you know, so you, they, they actually were teenagers in the past. You, you don't think of that these days. But um, and it was actually Allardyce that scored the first goal. We, we seemed to have trouble in the air in this game. I don't know what it was. We had uh, maybe you know the central defence was was uh, Glenn Keeley and Pat Howard um, with. Irvin Natris and Alan Kennedy fullbacks, um, but but all three goals from Bolton were, were as a result of crosses, and and the first one was a cross from the left, and and Allardyce rose above the the, the defence and, and headed it in. That was that was in the first few minutes, but then uh, what one of the, we talked last week about lighting goals where the the shots from outside the box um, from. Uh, Free kicks directly from that. The other sort of goal I always used to like was when the when the player went round the goalie and uh, and slotted it in, and that's what Sutermark did with the with the equaliser. He went he went forward from a fantastic pass from Tommy Cassidy, who was playing in midfield, a uh, sort of chip pass into the into the edge of the penalty area. Keeper was advancing. Sutermark went round him and slotted it into the empty net, and that was after half an hour. And then just before half time was was the the goal of the game, and and as I say, it was Sutermark's. One of his greatest goals, and it, it, it was it was a, a innocuous situation. We've got a throw in on on the uh, on the left wing. Tommy Craig took it. He just threw it to the edge of the box. It was about about 20, 25 yards out, and Sutermark sort of over his shoulder hit it uh, on on the volley as it had bounced once just in front of him, and and he shot it and it went right in the top corner on the far side of the goal. Absolutely fantastic goal, and uh, you know I don't know how many thousand of the Castle fans were in that forty six thousand, probably you know. 10,000 plus because you used to get 25% of the crowd so there would be 10, 12,000 in Newcastle there and the place went absolutely berserk as you can imagine um, so that puts us into one at half time and then another uh, headed goal soon after half time and this time the, the defence was all to hell because the, the sort of three of them all went up the Mick Mahoney and goal and the centre halves all went up and, and nobody seemed to get it and it broke and uh, and it, it ended up with uh, Gary Jones slotting in the equaliser so there it is twos each and uh, it was it was heading for probably that a two two draw until uh, we scored another goal in the uh, the eighty second minute. Um, Mickey Burns went through, gave a, gave a ball inside to Tommy Cassidy, who was again uh, you know a great passer of the ball for creating forward chances. And it was, Alan Gowland just pointed to him to, to put it uh, inside the penalty area, and he and he put it exactly where Gowland asked him to put it. And Gowland just slotted it past the keeper. So that was that was just three two up with with less than ten minutes to go. And of course, typical Newcastle, um, they they let equaliser in uh, a corner on the on the right wing, and 
defence totally outjumped by uh, this uh, Paul. Uh, it was a Paul Jones, I think, this time, uh, centre half, and headed it down into the net. So it was finished three three. Um, great game to be at, exciting, and and joy to be there to witness this fantastic goal by Supermac. And it fortunately, unlike the other one that he scored against Leicester, there is video of it. You can go on YouTube and see. See that goal. So that was my first game. Um, and Steve's obviously going to talk about what happened after that. So great stuff. Okay, George. Yeah. Uh, we'll can come I, back to you once I, I've given the uh, once I've given the sponsors a shout out. So big okay, thank you okay. to Spider VPN. Uh, just Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of your internet search and they can protect all your passwords and everything on your computer. Thanks for their ongoing sponsorship and to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 2545 253. Email inquiries at com and the website is com. Easy contract, free and pay as you go waste collection. John from Jab is in the chat tonight. Big shout out to him. He's been doing all of our flyers. Uh, since uh, we started this show. So big shout out to John and to John at qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, please subscribe. And uh, the only way you can comment in the comments box now is if you subscribe to the channel. That cleans it up a little bit. We haven't been inundated with trolls, it has to be said in the chat, but there has been a few creeping in over the last 12 months. So uh, you now need to subscribe to the channel to give us a load of insults. So uh, feel free to do that if you're sitting watching frustrated that your point of view on getting put across onto the chat. Uh, there are a lot of like-minded people in the chat, though, some friendly people in the chat and some regulars in there. So please uh, join them and uh, put a point across. And uh, hit the like button, which is the little thumb, and click share, share the video. And uh, please subscribe. Uh, we still do uh, a show a night, seven a week, well worth uh, popping on at any time. Wednesday night, though, is when we reflect on days gone by. We don't talk about what's going on at the moment, but uh, I will be back tomorrow night, of course, so, uh, six o'clock uh, with Supermac and Gibbo. Plenty, plenty, plenty to talk about, whether it's England and, and if it's coming home, whether it's Rafa Benitez finally taking the job at uh, Everton. Uh, join us tomorrow, 6 o'clock, for a chat on that. And Friday night, unfortunately, it's a pre-recorded game because uh, I am working again on Friday night. Uh, the shackles are certainly coming off, but I'm working on Friday night, so I uh, will not be able to go live. But you can join me and the Fab Four. And uh, congratulations to Steve Hasty, who is now not a woman on a poster for a change. Uh, the Italian version of the Godfather poster with uh, Mitch looking as if he's going to top somebody, uh, Keith Patterson with a woman's haircut, uh, Steve with a rather slicked back 1970s look, and me with, uh, well, I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, anyway, fantastic, John. Great poster, mate. Thank you for that. Saturday is going to be a write-off now that we are through to the, uh, the, the later stages of the Euros. Uh, no football content then, but I have done a fascinating interview with Disco Dave. And he's not what you think. So uh, I'm not going to say any more about Disco Dave, but tune into that pre-record on Saturday. Certainly well worth a watch. Uh, Disco Dave, thoroughly nice fella, and uh, that's an interesting one for Saturday for you all. But uh, I think we'll all be intoxicated watching the England game. Uh, so, George, back to you, mate. OK. Um, can I go back to what are the messages on the bottom asking about... Uh, um, uh, the 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 loan the, the 
uh, or Kinnear asking about uh, Ferguson when he was uh, on yeah. loan. He was on loan in Birmingham. That's yeah. where it was. And he asked asked the Birmingham manager, who's that lad at left back? And you know, embarrassingly was told, well, he's yours, actually. <laughs> but never mind. Aye, Shane Ferguson, that's right. Uh, yeah, I remember Shane that. Ferguson. And the other one is to go back to Steve Wilkinson's uh, uh, match. And he was uh, saying about, couldn't understand how the... Uh, you were not getting many headers in the middle. Well, you answered your own question, Steve. Glenn Keeley. Glenn Keeley. <laughs> I'm sorry. It not nice not in my team at the end, you might be surprised. No, <laughs> a, he was a nice lad, but uh, weak in terms of uh, centre-forwards, I've got to say. Anyway, to, to get back to what I'm supposed to be talking about, I'm not going very much forward from my first match. I'm only going to... Uh, 1959, 22nd of April 59, and the reason for that is it's it's uh, it's it's my era in the sense I was at the club playing in juniors and in the ends during that time, and some of the lads in our team had played with quite a few of them actually. Um, Brian Harvey, the goalkeeper, uh, Albert Franks, the centre half, um, Ken Hale, who was playing uh, midfield, and uh, George Eastham. Uh, I didn't actually play the team with George, but but trained trained in the same squad for a little while when he was first joined the club. Um, so it has some some personal memories, but the the biggest memory for me is it was a sad sad in many ways because a, it was the start of the demise of Newcastle United under Charlie Mitten. Charlie Mitten had lots of fantastic things, but some of his more um, outrageous ideas eventually caught up with her. I mean, the very fact that Brian Harvey was in goal. Why was Brian Harvey in goal? Because Charlie Mitten thought Ronnie Simpson was too small. Bloody Scottish international goalkeeper for 10 years. And suddenly Charlie Mitten comes. He wasn't that small. He, he was nearly, he was just short of six foot. Um, but he was wiry and he, he didn't look to have much about him. But Charlie thought he was too small, so six foot odd. Ryan Harvey became a goalkeeper, and he was a disaster. He, he had hands that looked like they were put on hot. I mean, he just he just not uh, not the sort of uh, steady person you wanted in in the middle middle of uh, the in heart of your defence. And the other sad thing about it was that having said, Bolton had some incredible players. Even in this team, uh, Hopkinson was the England goalkeeper. Uh, Parry was still playing. Uh, and Stevens was still playing, but the saddest thing was Nat Lofthouse was in the team. This team, and Nat Lofthouse didn't get a kick against uh, Franks. Albert Franks was was a nice lad, but I could have played centre forward against Albert and scored. And yet Nat Lofthouse hardly got a kick. And I thought that was terribly sad to just witness that. From a few years ago, when the man was unplayable against one of the best centre halves in the country, and and these things uh, come around, you know, the, the, you see people in that era, and uh, and and they get their get their time. I just wonder if that just didn't go on a bit too long, because in that game, as I say, he he hardly got a kick poor soul, and he certainly wasn't the threat in the air that he had been in the past. But but that was that was quite sad. The other sad thing was, as I say, is, uh, seeing. Um, the introduction of some of the more outrageous things of uh, of Charlie Mitten, uh, and that was the, the the you know you had to be six foot to get in the team and all that sort of thing, 
uh, and one or two lads suffered for it. I mean, Ken Hale was a decent uh, midfield player. wasn't decent. He was fantastic. And after he left Newcastle, had a had a full career for for twenty odd years in in at all levels. Um, but because he didn't meet the six foot rule, um, there was no way he was going to uh, make it at Newcastle United. And uh, I think Bill Curry suffered a little bit as well. Uh, a bustling local centre forward who didn't last very long after after Mitten became manager. So um, that was uh, my second match. And of course, the other sad thing was, of course, uh, Mitten was uh, was uh, you know imposing things on on the club, which were really destroying it in many ways. To the point where, of course, that that season we went down, we were on our way down. And he got the sack. 17,451 at this game. And that tells you everything for Newcastle United. Yes, that's that's one of the other things I sent to Steve. That's the uh, cup final where Bolton beat Manchester United 2-0. And have a look at the uh you know the the, the uh Manchester United uh, back five. And that Lofthouse just took them apart at, at Wembley. They just couldn't get near them. And uh, just shows the uh, uh, the passion and the, and the and the and the ability of the man that he could take uh, on the, the Bill Fuchs and Scope and and Goodwin and others uh, and Harry Gregg the goalkeeper. Of course, as we showed you a picture earlier where he actually put Harry Gregg in the back of the net for his second goal, uh, something which now he would he would probably get sent off for. Um, uh, that's after all the other. Players that had a goal, of course, uh, but in those days, uh, Nat had uh, had worked out um, uh, how it uh, how he could make use of of the shoulder charge against goalkeepers. Um, I mean, it's a thing of mine. I think goalkeepers now are so protected; it's ridiculous. But never mind. That's another another d- discussion for another time. The other. Um, Thing I was like, did I send you something else, Steve? I think, oh, that no, it? that's it now, mate. Yeah, right. Oh, it was a program. We showed it earlier. That's right. I got the program for this fifty-nine ma- front uh, of the program for this fifty-nine match, and uh, it was uh, you know the, the typical uh, picture of St James, the drawing of St James as part of the day with the uh, open ends and open stands and all that sort of thing. Um, but as I say, the, the the overriding feeling I had about this uh, 2-0 win that we had against Borden and Curry and Taylor scored the goals. Um, I mean, the, the, the lad that uh, scored, Taylor that scored the, the second goal, he only lasted a months, I think, in Newcastle. He came and, and, and went in a, in a couple of months. It was, it, was, uh, it was weird. And that's the sort of thing that was happening under Charlie Minton. And uh, as I say, it was the start of the demise of Mitten himself, but sadly the demise of Newcastle United at the time. And uh, basically uh, just sad. Um, the fact that a, quite a lot of those lads I knew personally is, was was quite important, but uh, um, it was, uh, well, it, it was nearly the demise of myself as well, because not long after this uh, was, uh, uh, was when I got injured. So it, it was... Uh, as I say, overriding feeling about the 59 match was it was a uh, quite a sad outcome, even though we won 2 0. So that's my second uh, recollection. Okay, great stuff. Uh, back to Stu for his second. 
Right, my second one is Boxing Day 2002. Another trip to Lancaster on Boxing Day, whether it be Wigan, whether it be Bolton, whether it be Manchester United. Was, uh, I know George mentioned previously that it was done for that reason, it was trying to keep things local. But I might start a new feature with Ask George is, can anyone remember if we've ever won a game in Lancashire on Boxing Day, ever? <laughs> I really don't think we have. Oh, here's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've knocked, I've knocked me sound off. <laughs> I thought someone was giving George the answer there. So, so if you, for those who who have been, you know, the, the, I lived in Lancaster, uh, Lancaster in Lancashire for for a couple of years, and from I would say the end of October to middle of March, it was just grey. You know, like the sky was always like lead grey and they always had this fine drizzle and this Boxing Day was no different. And I was staying in the in the Yorkshire and Keithley at the time and, uh, the, for the family Christmas. Well, not my family, the ex's family. We, we drove over and we'd had no expectation to win because no, no matter how good we were and how much better we were than Bolton, who were doing all right at the time, we just knew it was Boxing Day and Newcastle weren't going to win. And the op any optimism we did have left was shattered after about five minutes when I would say probably the best player Bolton have ever had in the Premier League era, JJ Okocha, he smashed one in after five minutes. So because it was the, we, we got before three, I had to write down who scored all the goals. I mean, uh, Shearer equalised. Um, it was a great pass. It was similar to the, the one I talked about before where Clarkie put the ball through. For Gillespie to cross, but this time it was um, Nobby passing it to oh, who did he pass it to there? Kieran Dyer. Uh, but Shearer didn't head the ball, he, he slotted the ball in. So we're 1 1. But like a minute later, I'm not even joking, like a minute later, we'd just stop jumping up and down. And they've got a free kick, and I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it was for, but they had a free kick. And the 2002 World Cup had been that year in Korea and Japan. And there was a goal by Ronaldinho against, was it Ronaldinho that scored that goal against England? Well, the free kick was from similar distance. So this goal that went in, you don't know if it was a shot, if it was a cross, if it was a shot, but it was hit with a lot more power. But regardless, we're 2-1 down, which uh, then just before half-time, come 3-1 down with a, we didn't defend a corner that well there, centre-half Icelandic guy, I can't remember his name, he nodded it in quite powerfully. Bundy Berg, so that's him. 3-1 down. Second half starts, uh, we soon become 4 1 down, but then we start to make a sort of a comeback. Uh, I've got it written down, yeah. This was a comedy I remember at the same because uh, Shola Bless him used to get a lot of stick from the fans, didn't it? You know, yeah. I used to say, like, I wish I could go that far and behold this when he's trapped the ball or trying to control the ball, you know. And uh, yeah. he's like the old bat and ball over on the elastic, you know, but we're not yet to slag him off. But Kieran Dyer took a shot and it hit off. <laughs> you know, Shola that went in, the keeper was wrong footed, and Shola had the audacity to claim it, and he actually got given it. I'm sure in today's panel checking everything, it would have went down as either, uh, I would have said Kieran's goal. But we're 4 2, coming up to about 15 minutes left, 10 minutes left, and we get a free kick in the edge of the box. And we'll talk about their best player in the Premier League era, then it's only right, and we'll talk about ours, which is Alan Shearer. Maybe it's not just the Premier League, but all time. And I don't think this goal gets as much credit as it deserves because he scored that many great goals for us. 
Uh, and with this one being in a defeat, I think it gets hidden amongst it all. But it was, it was just, uh, if you remember the goal he scored against Leicester, the free kick that won the game 4-3, proper thunder blaster. It was like that, but he was on the corner of the box and it just diagonally smacked straight at the top of the net. And it was, it just never wavered. It was straight as he won. 4-3 and you think, well, we've got a chance here. You know, there's about nine, ten minutes with injury time to play. Uh, but the game seemed to peter out the Bolton again under all the dice. They, they managed the game out well. And uh, Okocha had the ball, what seemed like for about nine of these ten minutes. In their corner flag, just kept winning uh, throw-ins off us all the time when we were trying to attack. So we never we never got back into the game. And it was another 4-3. But it was an entertaining game. As I said, we lost by the odd goal in seven. Um, another Boxing Day defeat. But it was... The first of my many trips to Bolton because, as I mentioned earlier, I moved to Lancaster for a couple of years the 2010 20 to 2012. And Bolton was the nearest Premier League team. So if Newcastle, if I wasn't driving up to Newcastle for the games, I would go to Bolton. And it was only a tenner in. And, you'd, and this, it was never full, you know. So you could always like go and watch them play against the Arsenal's, the Tottenham's, Man United's, Liverpool's. You know, so it was about 45 minutes from Lancaster drive down. So I ended up going to the, the Reebok. I think it's been renamed now, but the Reebok Stadium as it was then. I ended up going there quite often. But my first game was a Boxing Day defeat. So if George can give us an answer if we've ever won in Lancashire on Boxing Day, I'm a betting man. I'd like to say we haven't. So that's me done. Great stuff. Okay, Steve Hasty, over to you. Right. Well, as I said, I was going to follow on from Steve's marvellous 3-3 draw in the FA Cup fifth round. So I'm going to take us to the following Wednesday, uh, February the 18th. Um, and you're going to look at it and you're going to think, why on earth would you pick a, a, an FA Cup replay, which I'm going to tell you right the very start, it ended nil-nil. <laughs> Believe it or not, that there was 52,760 people turned up at this game. Now, that is the biggest attendance we've had since. Well, we've never we've never surpassed it at St James's Park because of the redevelopment, etc. We've never had a situation. The nearest we came to it, I think, was in the 2011-2012 Kid Man Stadium. We got 2,370 odd squeezed in, but we actually squeezed in 52,760 people for a for a, a February half past seven kickoff. In the freezing cold under the floodlights. So you can imagine what the atmosphere was like. It was brilliant because we all love night games. We all love games under the floodlights. One of the reasons why there was 52,000 there was we all know that we suffer from something called cup fever. <laughs> we also were playing 10 days later in the in the league cup final. So this was we're already in the league cup final. This was a replay. After we played three all, which was probably the best game of the round so far, we'd already played QPR in in, in away in the third round. And I think if I remember right, I, I think I wrote it down. The QPR we drew nil all. We brought them home. There was twenty. We beat them two one, and there was thirty seven thousand two hundred and twenty five turned up for that. We then got Coventry in the fourth round. We drew one one away. We brought them back and we absolutely hammered them five out at home, by which point there was 44,676 had turned up. So for this this game, 
10 days before a cup final at Wembley, the excitement of, of and the drama of, of what we love, cup fever, was absolutely ringing out our pause by this particular point. Um, Drew nil-nil. What can you say? Typical Newcastle. Um, the cup fever was still there. We were still excited, but it was a nil-nil draw. We were lucky to get a nil-nil draw because they hit the woodwork a couple of times. But like I said, when, when you're playing Newcastle under the floodlights, there's something really, really exciting about playing at St. James's Park or, as we do, um, the nerve jangling that comes with extra time, the, the lights, the freezing cold were all wrapped up. So there we are, nil-nil. Um, we then had to go and play them again because it was nil-nil, extra time. Something that youngsters probably don't understand now, but we go to a secondary play. But the secondary play isn't played back at Burnden Park, the home of Bolton Wanderers. We go to a neutral ground this time. We go to Leeds. We go to Elland Road. And... <laughs> Now, I didn't go to the 3-3 game because it was a Saturday. I played football for school on Saturday. So I didn't I didn't get to the to the to the travel travel away in those days for, for games like that. I, I went to the I went to the nil-nil. I didn't go to the to the game because again you're at school and you've got to get out. But I'm glad I didn't go because if I remember rightly, it turned into an absolute battle. Now bearing in mind it's called neutral ground. It's Elland Road. It's Leeds United. It's it's the, the playing. Of, there's a there's a team from Lancashire coming over, and there's a bunch of Geordies coming over, and these Leeds lot are going to wait, and they're going to just they're just going to fight with anybody, and that's what happened on that particular. One. We won two one. I'm sure that I'm sure some. I'm sure it's probably in one of the books, Steve, that you've written before about situations like this. Probably, but, but we ended up we ended up winning that two one. And, and 43,000 turned up at Elland Road to watch Newcastle play Black Bolton Wanderers in in this secondary play. But that's that's what Cup Fever is about. That's what that's what the buzz is about being a Newcastle fan. I know we we probably looked at that and we thought we're never going to win the league. You know, it's this 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 old adage. But we always feel as though in a cup. We've got that. We've got something special about us, and it gets we going. It really, really does. And for me, when you when you talk about that, I looked at the team. I mean, you, you look at the team that were put out: um, Mahoney, Natris, uh, Davy Craig. I'm sure Natris played it right back. Uh, sorry, left back um, because Davy Craig was playing. You had Howard and Keeley because we had Kennedy playing as well, and Kennedy must have moved into the midfield. But Tommy Cassidy, we had Davy Craig, we had. Uh, Tommy Craig, we had Mickey Burns and we had Gowling and MacDonald up front. And that that's some team in those days. And that's not far off the team that played in the in, in the cup final uh, 10 days later. Um, all I can say is exciting times, great times, massive, massive crowds. You know, in those days, you look at it and you think this is... And people people say, oh, you know, if you're not doing well, you're not getting... If you're playing good football, you always got good crowds. And if it was the cup, you are almost guaranteed a massive crowd at St James's Park. Um, I just wish we could do we could do that again. I'll just I just die for a cup run. I don't know about you guys. It, it seems it seems so long ago that we had those great games uh, down at Wembley. Well, the great days down at Wembley uh, for the two finals and the semi final. I suppose I could even go as far as 2005, uh, and we went down to, to Wales. 
um, to Cardiff. But I'd love, I'd love where to get a cup run again. I'm sounding like Keegan. I'd love it, love yeah. it. We could get a cup run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's, that's my game. That's that's why I that's why I chose that one. I wanted to follow on by Steve. I wanted to just throw a little bit of nostalgia. Get we excited about the cup. Um, maybe we get we excited again, but not that we need to be excited about what's coming on Saturday. No, definitely not. Okay, Neil, back to you. I my second games. Well, my first game originally was going to be my first trip to Burnham Park. This is my first trip to the Reebok, as it was then. I think it's now the University of Bolton Stadium. I'm, I'd be, I'd, I may be wrong there, but no, you're um, right. You're right. It's <laughs> So, um, this is October 2001, and as it was around about my birthday, I couldn't remember much about it, so I did have to jog my memory, rather. Um, Stu's also mentioned one player that, if you'd asked me two players who were synonymous with Bolton over the last 50 years, for me, uh, Yushi Askelain and the goalkeeper was one of them, yeah. Gundy Bergson was the other, uh, two Icelandic players who were stalwarts for them, really. Um, and my first game involved something to do with Yaskalainen, and so does my second game. Uh, and the reason being is that uh, Bolton made an interesting decision not to put a reserve keeper on the bench. And let's see how that played out. Uh, in the first house, Yaskalainen did well to keep them in the game. Actually, he made two cracking saves from Bellamy. Um, and the first goal, our first goal came on just before half-time. Nobby Solano gliding in a ball that I think was cut back by Shearer. Um, I think these days VAR would rule that he was a pubic hair offside or something like that because there was <laughs> lots of people complaining about it. But uh, um, but we, the goal stood and we went in 1-0 up. Um, the key moment, though, came on the hour. Y- Yaskalainen got sent off and they had to put another Scandinavian, a lad called Bo Hansen, who was a Danish winger, had to go and goal. And his first job was to pick the ball out the back of the net because from the free kick that they got, Laurent Robert hit one of his customary screamers into the top corner. Um, so 2-0. Um, 72 minutes, uh, Shearer added one, a lovely header from an even lovelier Robert cross. And then Bellamy finally got a goal that he deserved to wrap it up on 84 minutes. But the big thing about that was, in a time when they just increased the amount of subs you could have, so having a sub a keeper on the bench wasn't a luxury. Allardyce had made this weird decision not to put a keeper on the bench and it backfired on him. Uh, and that's a very typical Allardyce decision, if you ask me. Um, but it was a cracking day and a cracking trip and a really good win um, to put Bolton away at a time when we often did have good games against them. OK, great stuff. Finishing off on the uh, the game review with uh, Steve Wilkinson's second uh, recollection. Yeah, well, my second game follows on nicely from George's stories, actually, because, uh, first of all, I, his first story was three weeks before I was born. Um, so that was that was, a, that was a memory. <laughs> thanks, so thanks that made, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> so that made, me, uh, that made me 11 years old when I went to this game, which was uh, the game in 1965, and it was the game when we clinched promotion. And... Um, it's it sort of follows on from George because he said when Charlie Mitten took over that we went down to the second division and we spent four or five years there and uh, I started to go in, in 60, 62 was the first game I went to which was second division games and I didn't go very many times but this was the first season in 64, 65 when I went to nearly all the home games with my dad and this one in particular was you know as the season built on uh, we were really up for 
for going up. And it was a, it was because we'd got a, a pretty established team, um, primarily at the back. Uh, Gordon Marshall in goal, Dave Craig and Frank Clark and the fullbacks and the half back line. I'm going back to using George language for these for these old days of the the half back line, which was always numbered four, five, and six. Was was Stan Anderson who was captain, John McGrath, fantastic centre half, and Jim Miley. And that that was the sort of they were kind of defensive, creative midfield players. And then up front, we had a, a various combinations. In this particular game, Pop Robson, Dave Hilly, Bobby Cummins, centre-forward. Uh, Willie Penman, still assures me that he's no relation. He's done his no, family tree, no relation. Um, and, and Tommy Knox was on the left side of the, the, the forward line. And uh, various combinations of that forward line. We've had Ron McGarry playing a few times and, and uh, one or two others. But this game um, was important because it was a th- almost a three-horse race to go up uh, Northampton, believe it or not, uh, ourselves in Bolton. So if we, and then if we beat Bolton on this game, we're guaranteed promotion. So it was actually the biggest crowd. Uh, um, Steve was talking about the biggest crowds in, in St James. The biggest crowd I've ever been in uh, at St James's Park in my whole life, 59,960. Um we're quite, we twice got 59,000 uh, during the first cup run, the, the semi-final and final Rangers and you know, best Dozer, but not, not as many as 59,960. Um, so it, it was the biggest crowd I've ever been in. I was in the Gallagher end. Um, everybody was up for it. It was, it was, you know, was going to be a fantastic occasion. In Bolton's team, they had two players that, were, that were, had been troublesome all season and they were going to be a real threat. Um, a winger called Francis Lee, who would uh, go on to play for Man City, and and uh, he he was he was a, a good player in that Bolton team, and also that centre forward who was uh, a guy called Win Davies. You might have heard of him, um, and uh, it was Win Davies and John McGrath who were really set the scene on the game, and and uh, John McGrath played really well against them. Although I think if I remember rightly, George will probably clarify. I think Win Davies hit the bar in the first half before we scored. I don't know if you can remember that, George, but. Well, I can, but I also remember that John McGrath made sure he, he put a knee in when Davies, oh, yes, definitely. He, and, uh, when <laughs> Davies had a dead leg for the rest of the match. Yes. He, he could hardly walk, never mind run. Well, well, that, that was the normal thing you did in those days. <laughs> <laughs> the centre-half to kick the, kick the centre-forward early on. Good was, lad, man was, after my own heart. That was, that was common stuff. <laughs> anyway, so the, uh, the first goal was, was sort of a fairly even first half, a first half hour, and then after 34 minutes... Um, Stu's uncle Willie uh, scored scored the opening goal with a header at the Leaser's end. Um, I was in the Gallagher end; I couldn't get a very close view, but the ball was bobbing around. And I remember there was a sort of he sort of he was quite wasn't the biggest guy, and he and he sort of jumped up high and and, and knocked it in the net from quite close in. So that put us one nil up at half time. So everybody was was full of excitement. And then in the second half, um, fifty seven minutes, uh, a long range shot from Jim Eilie uh, from the the the. Uh, just outside the penalty area, if I remember rightly, across the across the goal, and uh, that, that put us two 0 up, and uh, the, the, we went on to win the game. Um, it's the only time I've ever invaded the pitch because everybody went on at the end of uh, the pitch, and it's the only time I've ever been on the pitch. Is uh, but just about everybody else did as well, and the, the players came to the director's box. There was only the one stand at the time, if you remember, and and, the, and then all the players came into the director's box, and it, the pitch was just solid with with fans. And uh, the players chucked their shirts out, and uh, obviously didn't reach me. But the, there was in the in the centre paddock, probably got a got a f- got a few shirts, um, and that put us up um, into the into the first division where we stayed. I think it's about 13, 14 years until the, the demise that we've we've often talked about in the post Gordon Lee 
uh, Richard Dennis era. Um, just another point about that time. They talk about overcrowding of matches that goes on these days. Um, that, that game was on a Friday afternoon, Good Friday. We went down to play Crystal Palace on the Saturday, um, which I think finished. I mean, we might have even lost, or might have been a draw again. Like George might remind me on that. And then we played Bolton again on the on the Easter Monday. So we had three games in four days, and that that was quite common to play every every yeah. day over the Easter weekend. Um, you know, there would have been hell on now playing that many games. And same, then, same at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boxing Day, and they used to play Christmas Day as well, George. I think didn't yeah. they uh, often? So that was um, we ended up winning the winning the league that year. Um, just Pip and Northampton and Bolton stayed in the second division. We went up. Um, so that's my second game, and uh, happier days to what to follow for a few years, including the first cup. Great stuff as always, lads. Great recollections and uh, some great stories. Uh, as always, we finish off the uh, program by uh, knocking up some uh, celebrity fans and then finding the players that played for both teams, and the lads have to guess. Uh, who these people are. So, uh, we will start with this celebrity fan. Amir Khan. Amir Khan, the boxer. Stu Francis. Stu Francis. Ooh, I could crush a grape. Cracker Jack. I think that he's a Cracker Jack. Yeah, I think this is the first time that these fans are actually genuine fans, by the way. Yeah. Paddy McGuinness. Paddy McGuinness. Paddy McGuinness. Peter K. Peter K. Eating a Solero there. Other brands are available. Vernon K. Vernon K. No relation to Peter K. But yes, Vernon K. And that's it, guys. Um, I probably one or two others, but um, they are the genuine ones. So there is, though, a lot of players who played for both teams, managers included. Uh, so see how you do with this uh, little picture board. Sammy Amiobi. Sammy Amiobi. Sammy. 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 Kevin Nolan. Kevin Nolan. 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 Kevin Nolan. Sam Allardyce. It's the most Mike Bassett photo I could find of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect, that. <laughs> Danny Guthrie. Danny Guthrie. Danny Guthrie. Danny Guthrie, yeah. Sorry. Sammy, Sammy Lee. Lee. Sammy Lee. Sammy Lee. Sammy Lee, of course, was uh, um, Sam Allardyce's assistant. Speed on it. Scott Sellers. Scott Sellers. Scott Sellers. Scott Sellers. Yeah. Scott Sellers. Alan Thompson. Alan Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. Robbie Elliott. Correct. Robbie Elliott. Neil McDonald. Neil McDonald. Spotty to his friends. Yeah. <laughs> Spotty. Speedo. Speedo. Steve Howie. Steve Howie. Steve Howie. No, no, yeah. Yeah. Steve Howie. Yeah, Steve Howie. Les Ferdinand. Les Ferdinand. Abdi Fai. Yeah. Gary Megson. Gary Megson. Andy O'Brien. Andy O'Brien. Andy O'Brien, of course. And last but by no means least, Alan Gowland. Alan Gowland. Okay, so guys, over to you. I think we'll go with Steve Wilkinson first this week. Uh, right. Give us your uh, one to eleven and your uh, your manager. Uh, 
Well, that, that, those players you showed there didn't include a goalkeeper, and I think we're, no, we're, deliberately we're to probably, say, because I knew it was difficult, struggle. and I wanted to know whether you, you always seem to struggle with keepers when John Burge isn't available. So I yeah. thought, let's see how the lads do. I deliberately quite, didn't name quite, the one keeper I found. Quite a few I keepers, found. a few games since we've had John Burge. Uh, Tommy Wright seems to be the only one I could find was a goalkeeper. Um, so that's who's in goal for me. Okay. Um, Fitting in with what George said earlier, I had to avoid playing Glenn Keeley at the back. So I was struggling for defenders, actually. So, uh, But I had Robbie Elliott playing. Uh, I put him in right back. Steve Howie and Neil MacDonald. And I put Scott Sellers in left back. Um, I, I can't remember where he ever played there, but he's, he's left-sided anyway. Midfield, uh, Kevin Nolan, Gary Speed, and Peter Beardsley also was involved with Bolton at some stage. Correct. Um, so that was my midfield. And up front, I've gone for a bit of nostalgia. I've got Les Ferdinand in there, but I've also got Ron McGarry and Wynn Davies and up front with the, that forward line. Um, manager, I didn't want to pick Sam somehow. And uh, <laughs> it seems as though, um, player I mentioned earlier on, um, Stan Anderson was once manager at Bolton. So I'm, I'm going to put him as my manager because he wouldn't have been a good manager at Newcastle, I'm sure. Great stuff. Fantastic. Okay, Mitch, over to you. Well, the goalkeeper I've got in is a lad called Jake Turner, who's at the club at the minute. He's a young kid. We signed him a couple of years ago. Good so shout. he was the only keeper, I, only keeper I could find. And then my back four is right back Neil McDonald and left back Robbie Elliott. Then I've got Steve Howie and Andy O'Brien in the centre. Then I've got a midfield diamond anchored by Dietmar Haman. And then in front of him, Scott Sellers and Gary Speed, two, two of my favourite left-footed midfielders in Newcastle United. Then I've got Kevin Nolan playing at the tip of the diamond. And I've got him playing off of Wynn Davis and Alan Gowlin up front. Um, and choosing between Sam Allardyce and Gary Megson is like choosing between a colon or a in a prostate exam. So I'd rather have neither. Thank you very much. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, you could have gone for Gary Speed, player manager. Didn't think about that one. There you go, you see. Think outside the box. Think outside the box, uh, just like he did. Oh, he was a coach there, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh, Sammy Lee, you could have got away with that. Uh, Steve Hasty. Right, I, I picked Turner and goal only because Mitch told us about them. So that's cheating away, but I had, I had to pick them. Exactly. At least you were honest because you could have changed it in between there. In not, between there. Have, you could have gone, oh, tell me right, that's who I was going to have. I did go to turn and goal. Um, two fullbacks, I went for Robbie Elliott on the left and, and Neil MacDonald on the right. I thought Neil MacDonald was a great a great young player that we had and we went to Everton um, at that particular time in the in the early 80s. But I did think you know, he was he was going to be an absolute superstar for us. Uh, disappointed when he left. I've got my Steve Howie at the back in the centre alongside Andy O'Brien because I liked Andy O'Brien. I thought he was a great player. Um, entertaining anyway, put it that way. Um, Diddy Hamman holding in the midfield uh, with uh, Nolan on one side and Speedo on the other. Um, and at the tip of the diamond, I went for Peter Beardsley. Um, and up front, I went for Les Ferdinand and I went for Michael Bridges. Now, the reason I went for Michael Bridges is he was in the strawberry just before the lockdown. And I think I might have told you before that um, he was shown a, a lad, the photographs around the top of the wall in the strawberry. And uh, my mate said, you'll not find your picture up there, mind. Uh, and of course, he, he said, why not? And he goes, well, your picture's in the bog. So yeah, anyway, he come back after going to the toilet and he come back and he tapped me mate on the shoulder and goes I've been at the bog and there's no sign of me photograph in there either <laughs> and he said, I didn't say it was in the gents it's in the ladies 
And of course, his mate just took the took the mick out of him. And actually bumped into him at a reserve game a couple of days later. Tapped him on the shoulder and he went, oh, no, not you from the strawberry game. So purely for sense of humour. But I honestly did think that it, it, at his time at Leeds and his time at Sunderland, and you can't really count his time at Newcastle, but I did think that Michael Bridges was a, a, an absolute great footballer. And I think with that formation alongside Les Ferdinand, with Peter Beardsley, I think it would have, it would have looked like a decent decent forward line. Um, I couldn't pick I couldn't pick Sam Allardyce. And to be perfectly honest, I couldn't stand the screaming and, and histrionics of Gary Megson on the touchline either as a manager. So I went for Stan Anderson. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, Stu. Well, I didn't ask Mitch this week for any help. I was very proud of myself. No, you didn't. <laughs> I well didn't. Done. You didn't. And I was going to take credit for the Jake Turner bit, but it was actually Liam Kennedy who helped us with that because I had to Google keepers and there was a piece of the Shields Gazette about it. So I thought, I hope this lad's a keeper and he was. So I got Jake Turner in goal. And the 10 outfield players, you could have picked two decent teams out of them. You know, there was a for both. But I ended up going with uh, Scotty McDonald right back, Robbie Elliott left back, Howie and Amdi Fay in the middle. Uh, in a four in midfield I stuck Gowling I know he's a four but I put him on the right wing to complement Scott Sellers on the left with Gary Speed and Kevin Nolan in the middle and then I had Beardsley and Les Ferdinand up front now I couldn't take some Allardyce either so <laughs> I and I didn't know about Stan Anderson so I picked Gary Megson and I thought he had to be good at something, and he, I'm sure he won a Manager of the Month award at some stage of Bowman. But I picked Megson over Allardyce. That, that was that's why that's the only reason. Brilliant. Okay, George. Last but by no means least, over to you, mate. Uh, straightforward as usual from me. One to eleven. Uh, Tommy Wright in goal. Neil Macdonald. Um, Robbie Elliott. Andy Fye. Steve Howie. Uh, Andy O'Brien. Uh, Sammy Amiobi, Peter Beardsley, Les Ferdinand, Kevin Nolan, and Scott Sellers on, on the left. And my manager had just decided for a curveball for all the reasons that you lads have said, neither Megson or Allardyce would suit me. So I picked Neil Redfern, who used to be a uh, coach for those who was with them. So Good shout, manager. Great stuff, fantastic. <laughs> great stuff as always we'll be in touch uh, via messenger to find out who we're going to do next week and uh, don't forget I am back tomorrow night with Super Mac it was great as well by the way down at the schooner this week with Super Mac to actually do a talk in for the first time in 17 months so uh, great to be down there at short notice I'm looking forward to seeing him and give out tomorrow night live at 6 o'clock and don't forget the Fab Four are pre-recorded again this week but we will be uh, on Half past five as normal on Friday. So uh, see you guys next week. Thanks, lads. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Talking to myself again But it's 